John, the author of the gospel that we're studying, the gospel according to John, left us last week with Jesus retreating to the area of the Transjordan and across the Jordan River, the area where the late John the Baptist was baptizing. If you can imagine the nation of Israel and the Dead Sea coming straight from the top of the Dead Sea is the Jordan River. And over on the east side of the Jordan River is the Transjordan area where John was baptizing. But 150 miles across the Jordan is Jerusalem. And very closely located to Jerusalem is the town of Bethany. Now friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, lived in Bethany. Jesus is now across the Jordan, about 150 kilometers, with his disciples. And great things are happening there. We read that in John 10:42 that many believed him in him there. He was having a, a fruitful ministry among those people. But while he's there on the Transjordan side, a message comes from Bethany near Jerusalem, 150 kilometers, with sad news about his friends. Please join me as I read the story in today's passage. It's found in John's Gospel, chapter 11, and I'm reading only the first 16 verses. John 11, verses 1 through to 16. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days or twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day he does not stumble. But if anyone walks in the night he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. 
Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Will you pray with me, please? To many of us, Heavenly Father, this is a very familiar passage, a familiar story. A story that down through the centuries you have brought to your church encouragement, instruction. And now, Father, I pray that you would help me with the aid of the Holy Spirit to communicate what is true, to take from this your holy word these truths, and that you would grant us as your people the ability to hear and understand and apply them. Oh Lord, we need your help. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We do thank you for your word. We do thank you for the opportunity and freedom to still be able to preach your word, to read your word, to hear your word. And Lord God, we pray that you would glorify Jesus Christ, not only in this text, but through this text to our hearts. And we will be given the great joy that only the people of God can experience because of your manifold grace. This we pray in your name. Amen. Lazarus, the brother of Mary, was ill, and the sister sent word to Jesus. The messenger probably would have taken close to two days, maybe even more. And the message that they would communicated with this messenger that was going to carry it to Jesus, the message is interesting. It simply said this, Lord, he whom you love is ill. That's a phenomenal message. That in itself is worthy of our contemplation. Now the author assumes that we know who Mary is and we've read the gospel. The author will say that the Mary that communicated this to Jesus is the same one in chapter 12 that anointed his feet. But the message that Mary and Martha sent to Jesus, as I said, is amazing. Lord, he whom you love is ill. They understood that when Jesus heard that message, he would know exactly what, who they were talking about. Those words point to an amazing relationship between Jesus and these three people. These three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, apart from the three disciples, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that seem to have a very close relationship with Christ, these three friends seem to be very close to that also. They were very near to the heart of God. 
It's interesting that when a relationship is so intimate and so close, you don't have to tell someone what needs to happen. Do you notice that here? Simply saying, the one that you love is ill. They knew that they could leave the rest to Jesus. They knew him as a friend. They trusted him. I think there's a message there for us today. When our relationship with Jesus Christ is near and dear, we can often just cry out to Him, Lord, the one you love is such and such. That's all you have to say. And you can trust that because He loves you, as He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, He will know exactly what to say. When we read uh, the next stunning words in verse 6, we're absolutely stymied. We read, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. When he heard, he stayed two days longer. Already, Lazarus, since the time that the message was sent, has obviously going to be decreasing in health. And yet Jesus stays two days longer. You need to be careful here and take the word for exactly what it says. Jesus isn't saying, I'm busy right now, therefore it's going to take me a couple more days to get there. Uh, He's not suggesting that he couldn't get a flight out or there's a delay. So it'll take a couple of more days. No. Jesus intentionally chose to wait two more days. Why? Why? Well, the answer was given in verse 5 in the verse just before this. Just before this we read... Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard, verse 6, he stayed. That little word so is striking. It gives us the cause, the reason, the rationale why Jesus stayed. Let me say it again. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard, he stayed. That's striking. That's stunning. Is Jesus being callous? Is he being unconcerned? Is he being insensitive to their situation? Absolutely not. As we work back through the text from verse 6 to verse 5 and now to verse 4, we understand that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill... He said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I hope you see that. The most loving thing Christ can do for those He loves is to see His Father glorified and be glorified Himself in their lives. There are many family and friends known to us 
today who've been laid off work. What's the most loving thing that God can do for them? Answer, that they might experience and see the glory of God. You see, if you love somebody, you want the best for them, don't you? And if you've studied your Bible for any length of time, the best thing that you can experience is the glory of God in your life. To witness the glory of God. To experience the glory of God. If you really love someone, you want the very best for them. And the very best for them is always to experience God's manifest glory. The revelation of His beauty. The revelation of His wonder. That's the most important thing that anyone can experience. And if you love them, you wish that for them. You don't wish for a secondary blessing. You wish for the primary blessing. Today, businesses are impaired. Retirement savings have been lost. What's the most loving thing that can happen in that situation? Well, we know the answer now. The most loving thing that God can do for those He loves is enable them to see and savor and to enjoy His glory. Today people are lonely, some are ill. What's the most loving thing that God can do for them? Answer, that they would taste and experience the revealed glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. So thus we read in this text that because The glory of God was uppermost in Jesus' mind because He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He wanted the best for them. And therefore, in order that they might see and taste and experience God's glory, He waited Two more days. The love of Christ was not only evident for them, but we see in verses 14 to 15 that Christ's love is also evident for his own disciples who were with him that day. Look at verse 14 and verse 15. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Here, Christ, as touching his divinity, has an awareness in the spirit that Lazarus is just not ill anymore. He has, in fact, died. And so he tells his disciples, And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Here's another reason why Jesus waited two more days. Because of his love for his disciples. Lazarus has died and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. 
but let us go on to Him. Jesus was glad He was not present when Lazarus died. I presume that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died. He would have prevented his death somehow. But instead, he's glad he wasn't there. He's glad he remained two more days for the sake of his disciples so something could happen in their life that would engender, stimulate faith, true belief. This story, as I've entitled it in my message, is really seeing how Christ looks at life and how Christ looks at death. It is so important we have the perspective of Jesus on life and death issues. And we've already learned that because of Christ's great love for His disciples, that He not only wants His people to experience His glory, He wants their faith to be stimulated and and fired up and made genuine. And Christ waited two more days so that His disciples could experience something that would strengthen their faith. I can't help but think of the story of Peter when Jesus warned him, in fact prophesied that Peter would fail him. But in the discourse between Jesus and Peter at that time, this is what Jesus said. He said in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, He said, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Because Christ loves His disciples so much, He is intimately invested in your life in such a way that your faith in Jesus Christ will be engendered and, 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 and strengthened and made strong. The disciples were very concerned about their return to Jerusalem. That was the place they had just left and the Jews were prepared to stone Him. To go back to that vicinity would jeopardize their lives. They said in verse 8, Rabbi, the Jews... We're just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again? And then Jesus gave them an interesting parable. Verses 9 and 10. He said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What does he mean by that? To walk in the day means to walk in the light. 1 John 1, the same author, explains that to us. To walk in the day means to walk in the light that Jesus gives. It's to walk in fellowship with Him. It's to believe Him. It's to obey Him. Contrarily, to walk in the night is to walk in disobedience. To walk in a way you're not in fellowship with your Savior. So how does this apply to this situation? I think it's this. 
Jesus is saying that going to Jerusalem is in keeping with God's will. Going to Jerusalem is in keeping with the will of God. Therefore, if we obey the Father, we will be in fellowship with Him. We'll be walking in the light. In other words, Jesus is saying, you can go into a dangerous situation in God's will and not stumble. Stumble means in the New Testament often to fall away from the faith. It's to question your faith. You can seemingly go into a dangerous scenario in God's will and your faith will not falter. But beloved, you can also go into what you think and what I think is a very safe scenario. We can go into that scenario out of God's will, out of fellowship with God, walking in disobedience to God, and even though the scenario, the situation is safe, we will be in danger of losing our faith. It is safer to travel into danger in God's will than to travel into safety outside of God's will. It is safer to go to an unsafe situation in God's will than to travel into a danger uh, into a safe situation outside of God's will. Jonah learned that lesson, didn't he? Jonah learned that lesson. He thought that he would be safer to travel outside of God's will. But in fact, it ended up to be a very dangerous situation. Back to our story. When Jesus heard the news of Lazarus' situation, he said these comforting words. This illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. And then moments later he said, Lazarus has died. Now that's a little confusing. It's a little confusing for our Lord and Savior to make a statement. This illness does not lead to death. And then just moments later say, Lazarus has died. Remember I said this story is helping us gain a perspective from Jesus' point of view on things of life and things of death. It reminds me of another event when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. You'll notice in verse 10, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus foretells wars and persecution. So the whole context there is Jesus telling the disciples about 
days that are coming of war and persecution. But I want you to particularly note verses 16 to 18. He says, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair on your head will perish. Again, we have one of these complicated sentences that makes Jesus, Jesus. He says, you're going to be killed, but not a hair on your head will perish. You're going to die, but you're not going to die. Is Jesus confused? Beloved, do not let a false and harmful theology suggest to you that God will never allow His church to suffer. Do not fall into the deceitfulness that you will hear from some corners that God will protect you from all harm and all danger. The viewpoint of Jesus, the perspective of Jesus, looks way beyond this world to another world. He looks to a world of existence where His disciples will never die. He looks to a world where no hair on anyone's head will be touched. He looks to the ultimate and the forever. So for Christ, death is not death. Death is sleeping. His perspective of this life is yes, there will be persecution, there will be suffering, there will be trials. Some of you may die. But if you're in Christ, you'll never die. And not a hair on your head will be harmed. The perspective of Jesus looks way beyond this existence to the one that we will experience not for 80 years, but for 80 billion times billion times billion years and even more. So then Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I must go awaken him. In difficult days, the best perspective to hold on to is the perspective of Jesus. He always sees things fully and he always sees things accurately. From this passage, I believe there are several things that I want you to remember and apply to your life. Number one, remember the most loving thing that Christ can do for those He loves is to see His Father glorified and be glorified Himself in their lives. When we go to our God with needs, even when we are broken and we go to God and say, Lord Jesus, the one you love is... And you fill in the blank. 
Be assured of this. Because Jesus Christ loves you with an eternal, intense love. You can be sure that He will answer your need in such a way that He wants to see God most glorified in you. And as Dr. John Piper has said, and I believe is so profound, if God is glorified in you, you will be ultimately and completely satisfied with Him. So the first thing, the most loving thing that God can do for those He loves is to be glorified in their lives. Secondly, it's safer to travel into a dangerous, unsettling situation in the will of God than to choose a safer path out of the will of God. Let me say that again. It is safer to travel into a dangerous experience in the will of God than to travel in what you think is safe and be out of fellowship with God to be living disobedient to God to choose the latter could cost you your faith to choose a direction out of God's will to choose a direction out of fellowship with God living a disobedient life may very very well be the shipwreck of your faith. We as a church would rather go into risky, dangerous ground in God's will than be found otherwise. Thirdly and finally, Remember that the promises of Jesus extend way beyond this life, way beyond this existence. His promises extend to His disciples to that ultimate place where there is no death, where no one can touch a hair on their head. The promises of Jesus are not just for this time. In fact, most of them will be fulfilled in a kingdom to come where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more death, and no more sickness, no more sadness, no more disease. The promises of Jesus extend to that place where His people will never die and not one hair on your head will be touched. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, today we face unprecedented days. Nobody disputes that. The world governments, the world economies, the world social order is in chaos. Heavenly Father, the best thing that you can do for us is to glorify your Son in these events. That's what we pray for and that's what we ask for. Be glorified in our lives, Lord Jesus. And we affirm with our Lord that it's safer to enter these anxious days in your will than outside of your will. 
And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth that this world is not our home and that we're just simply passing through. We await a day when the perfections of your glory will be everywhere and we will be glorified with you forever and ever. Amen.